To start our message today, I want to do a little bit of a recap of where we have come from, and in particular, a bit of a recap of these three statements behind me, uh, which are really, really crucial to who we are. They're our core statements, our core values. They're the core of who we are. They're the core of the decisions that we make as a church. And so uh, I thought it was helpful for us to just do a bit of a recap about where they come from, because some of you were a part of the process of us coming up with those statements, and some of you have heard us refer to them at different times, but some of you are newer, and so it's always helpful to recap uh, how these things came into being. So I've been here for about three years now, and when I started, one of the key things that I wanted to do was find out a little bit more about us as a church and the story of where we'd come from. And so in 2017, we ran some workshops where we took the opportunity to be able to primarily talk about two questions. When have we been at our best? And when have we had some challenges? And so it was really great to be able to hear from you some of the stories about in our history as a church, when are the times when it's been like, yes, that's what we're supposed to be. That's who we're supposed to be as a church. And when were the times when we had some issues, we had some challenges, and what was at the core of that? And so we got a lot of really great feedback from that, some really amazing stories. And as a board, we then took all of that information and tried to say, okay, what are the key themes that come out of these stories and what can we learn about them as a church? As a part of that process, we also went back to the very, very basics, which is the core of why any church exists, which is called the Great Commission. So the whole reason that all churches exist is the statement that Jesus made to his disciples at the end of Matthew, where he says, go into all the world, go everywhere and make people my disciples. Help them to understand what it means to follow me, help people to make a decision to follow me and get baptized as a symbol of that, and then to orient their lives around my teaching. That's what discipleship is all about. And so as a church, we're called to make disciples, as every church is, but it's helpful to put some language around that that kind of says for us as a church, at this time in our history, in this place, what does it actually mean for us to make disciples? And taking those sets of stories, when have we done that well? And when have we done things that have maybe gotten in the way of us being able to focus on that? And so we played with a bunch of different statements and some different language. And out of that, we ultimately came up with these statements, which we then presented back to you and had resounding feedback that, yes, that's a beautiful way of summing up who we are. And so these are the three statements that define us as a church, that we want to be a Jesus-centered, spiritual family, who are seeing lives change. And so at the start of each year, we want to take some time to be able to remind ourselves about what that looks like and to talk a little bit about what that looks like uh, for us as we head into a new year. So today we're going to talk about what it means to be Jesus-centered. But the summary of that is that we believe Jesus shows us exactly what God is like. And so we take all of our cues from Jesus. That's our starting point in terms of our theology. That's our starting point in terms of what it means for the things that we believe, but also in terms of what it means for us to follow Jesus, as Ross talked about with the kids. We want to be able to be following him as a church collectively and individually as well. And so we'll unpack more today about what it means to be a Jesus-centered community where we keep Jesus at the center of who we are. Secondly, we want to be a spiritual family, and I should say, so when we as a church over our history have focused on Jesus and united around Jesus, that's when we've seen things go well. When we have got distracted and focused on other things other than Jesus, generally that's when things have gone a little bit sideways. 
Spiritual family then is the second piece, and we'll talk more about that next week. But spiritual family uh, basically means us living out the best version of what family looks like, a place that is accepting, a place where people can be authentic and real and genuine, uh, a place where people feel encouraged and a place where people feel supported. And again, when we've done that well as a church, that's when things have gone well for us. And when we've become a little bit more dysfunctional than is healthy as a family, that's when things have gone sideways. So when we've brushed things under the carpet or when we've stopped being as accepting as is the best version of what we look like, uh, things start to deteriorate and we get away from what it looks like uh, to make disciples well. And then thirdly, seeing lives change. That ultimately we believe that if we centre ourselves on Jesus in an environment that is a healthy spiritual family, then ultimately people's lives will be transformed. That our lives individually as people who are part of our church will be transformed. Our lives collectively as a church will be transformed. And also the community around us will be transformed. And so again, for us as a church, when we have focused on that, when we focused on looking out, when we focused on the transformation that's happening in people's lives, we've gone in the right direction. When we've become a little bit insular or when we've kind of flatlined, that's when things have gone sideways for us. So we want to keep having a vision of what it looks like to partner with God in the work that he's doing around us. So we'll talk more about that in a couple of weeks' time as we wrap up this series. But that's who we are. And so each year we want to take some time to remind ourselves about that and to say that's who we want to be. We want to continue to grow in all of those things. We're not perfect at all of them by any stretch. And so this year is another opportunity for us to keep moving forward in those things. But also for us as a board, as we make decisions about what's our highest priorities, we align them with these things. And we say, are these things that we're talking about going to help us be more of a Jesus-centered spiritual family who are seeing people's lives changed? So as I said, this week we're going to focus on being Jesus-centred. And so as always, you have your teaching notes inside of Caring Connection. So if you want to jot things down as we go through today's message, uh, you can feel free to do that. So what we mean when we say that we're Jesus-centred is that ultimately everything that we do comes back to Jesus. We believe that Jesus is the one who shows us what God is like, that Jesus is the one who helps us to understand God's heart, God's character, that in the life of Jesus and the teaching of Jesus, we see what's most important to God. uh, And we also get to see what the best version of humanity looks like, what our lives should look like in their best version as well, that we take our cues on that from Jesus too. All of that we discover through Jesus' life, his teaching, his death, and his resurrection. And so for us, we want to always come back to Jesus. At the end of the day, a lot of our questions that we've got, what does Jesus have to say about that and work our way back out from there? For us, part of the reason for that is because we're a part of the Churches of Christ family. And so there's a big hint about that in our names, that we in our name that we are the Churches of Christ. Unapologetically, we want to say that we're all about Jesus. And right from the very beginning for us as a movement, that's what's been core to us. The genesis of Churches of Christ was a group of people who said there's too many things that people are focusing on that are causing division and we want to unite around Jesus. Can we ultimately come back to him and agree about who Jesus is and what Jesus has done? Can we gather around the table to remind ourselves about what Jesus has done for us and start there and find our unity there and then have different expressions and even different theologies and different beliefs that spin out of that? But can we begin with Jesus? That's something that is a part of our whole movement of which we have the privilege of being a part of. But as we start this new year, it's good to remember that being Jesus-centred is not just a belief system. 
Sometimes we can fall into the trap of saying, okay, so being Jesus-centred is about my theology and my intellectual understanding. But being Jesus-centred is also about our relational connection with God, that we relate to God through Jesus, that we take our very life essence from Jesus, that Jesus is the one who shapes our decisions, our passions, the choices that we make, the actions that we have. Jesus is the fuel of our lives. And so individually and collectively, we want to be Jesus-centred and live from him. And we also want to recognise that being Jesus-centred is not something that we ever perfect. So I don't know anyone who's perfectly Jesus-centred just yet. I know I'm a long way from it. But that's what our aspiration is, is to say day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, am I becoming more Jesus-centred? And so one of the questions that we wrestle with, which we'll talk more about today, as we talk about this idea of discipleship, is simply taking our next step in our walk with Jesus. What's the next thing that helps me to become more Jesus-centred than I am now? Recognising that on the other side of that, there's something else, and on the other side of that, there's something else, and something else, and something else, and that's the journey of our whole lives. But it is a really great starting point for us to say, where am I at and what's next? So we're going to look at this passage that comes from Colossians chapter 1 because it is a brilliant summary of why it's so good for us to be Jesus-centred. And so this follows on from uh, the verses that we looked at last week in the book of Colossians. It was a letter that Paul wrote to the early church to help them get their heads a little bit more around how important it is to focus on Jesus. So in verse 15, Paul writes, Christ is the visible likeness of the invisible God. He is the firstborn son superior to all created things. So Jesus is the visible likeness of the invisible God. Jesus is the one who shows us in a tangible way what God is like that nobody has seen. And so for us, we recognize that when we look at Jesus, we see what God is like. We understand what God is like. We understand what God's passions are. And when we see Jesus interacting with people, we understand how God interacts with people. When we see the priorities that Jesus sets, we see the things that are most important for God. And so we want to always say, Jesus shows us exactly what God is like. And in a couple of verses, we'll recognize that that's not just a partial revelation of what God is like. Jesus shows us fully what God is like. And that's very important because sometimes we can wonder a little bit about what God is like and we have lots of questions, which is really, really great. But particularly some of the things that happen in the Old Testament can confuse us a little bit and say, what, what is this God like who does some of these things that confuse us a little bit? And so sometimes we can then take those questions and project them onto Jesus and say, therefore, Jesus must be like this weird version of God that I'm starting to kind of wrestle with. We always want to go back the other way. And say, we believe that Jesus shows us what God is like 100% of the time. And so we then want to project that back into the God who we see in the Old Testament. Now, it still means that there are some questions. I still have some questions about some of the things that happen in the Old Testament and how that's God's best and how those things reflect the heart that we see in Jesus. But a lot of the questions that we have are actually solved by saying, well, if Jesus shows us what God's really like, then God clearly isn't this vindictive, angry God who sits up in the clouds just looking to smite people because that's not what we see in Jesus. So we always want to start with Jesus and allow everything else to spin out of that. There are also a lot of other questions that we have that don't necessarily get answered through Scripture. And so rather than trying to say, okay, well, we've got to get that right from some other source, 
we go back to Jesus and we go back to his principles and his values and the things that were most important to him. And then we say, how does that teach us about this thing that we're trying to apply that to? So we always start with Jesus. Jesus is the visible likeness of the invisible God. But Jesus is also the firstborn son, superior to all created things. And what that means is that Jesus is the best version of what humanity looks like too. That Jesus is not just God who comes to us, but Jesus comes to us in human flesh. And so Jesus shows us what the best version of being a human being looks like. The way that God created us to be, the way that God created us to live, we see that demonstrated in Jesus. And so Jesus is the model for how we should live our lives as well. If we want to be the best people that we can be, then ultimately we centre ourselves on Jesus and follow him. Verse 16, Paul then writes, For through Jesus God created everything in heaven and on earth, the seen and unseen things, including spiritual powers, lords, rulers and authorities. God created the whole universe through him and for him. So everything was created through Jesus and everything was created for Jesus. So this reminds us that Jesus was there before the creation of the world. Jesus was a part of how creation came into being. So when God was sitting around deciding what's this universe going to look like and what's this earth going to look like and what's humanity going to look like and this grand plan for us to be swept up into his family, Jesus was there all along. Everything was created through Jesus. He wasn't an afterthought. He wasn't a, oh, we've got to fix something. Jesus, you go and sort it out. Jesus was a part of the plan from the very beginning. But everything was also created for Jesus, for his purposes, for his plans. A helpful way of understanding that is if you think about someone who's building a house, they obviously make a decision and say, I want to build this house. But there's a purpose for why they're building that house. And that purpose is that they want to create a home. They want to create a place where family can flourish, where memories can be created, where joy can be shared together. And that's the same with Jesus. There was a purpose in creation. And that purpose is for us ultimately to be swept up into God's family and to experience life the way that God always wanted us to experience it, living in a peace-filled relationship with God, with each other, and with this creation. That was the purpose. And all of that we find fulfilled through Jesus. Verse 17, Paul then writes, Christ existed before all things, and in union with him, all things have their proper place. So as we said, Jesus was around before the beginning of creation, but in union with him, all things find their proper place. So if we want to pursue unity, and that is really important to us as a church, really important to us as a movement, then we centre on Jesus. Ultimately, Jesus is the one who brings unity. It's not because we get our theology on the same page. It's not because we get our practices exactly the same that brings unity. It's Jesus who brings unity. And that's really simple to understand that regardless of where we're coming from in our spiritual journey, if we all look at Jesus and if we're all walking towards Jesus, then ultimately over time we're going to find more and more unity. Jesus is the one who brings that unity for us. He's the one who holds everything together. He's the one who helps everything and everyone to find their proper place so that we fit together in this beautiful mosaic that God has created. Verse 18, Jesus is also the head of his body, the church. He's the source of the body's life. He's the firstborn son who was raised from death in order that he alone might have the first place in all things. 
So Jesus is the head of the church. Jesus is the leader of the church. So I'm not the leader of the church. Our board is not the leader of the church. No one individually is the leader of the church. Jesus is the leader of our church and Jesus is the leader of the church with a capital C globally. Most weeks when we take some time to pray before the service, it's one of the key things that we pray. Jesus, this is your church. And so we ask you to lead us where you want us to go today. Ultimately for us, as people who are in leadership roles within our church, our focus is simply on saying, Jesus, where are you taking us? And therefore, how do we move forward together in that? So Jesus is the head of the church, but he's also the source of the body's life. And so this is a great reminder that ultimately it's not up to us to kind of stir up our enthusiasm enough and to be able to find what we need to be able to do things. Jesus is the one who fuels us as a church. Jesus is the one who is the source of our life together. We keep coming back to him because he's the one who then refuels us and enables us to do the things that he wants us to do. Verse 19 then, For it was by God's own decision that the Son has in himself the full nature of God. This is what we referred to earlier, that it's not just a partial glimpse. It's not just kind of a fuzzy reflection that we're not really sure. It shows us a little bit of what God is like. Jesus shows us fully what God is like. When we look at Jesus, we get a 100% crystal clear picture of what God is like. And then in verse 20, through the sun, then God decided to bring the whole universe back to himself. God made peace through his son's blood on the cross and so brought back to himself all things, both on earth and in heaven. And so Jesus is the one who makes us right with God. Jesus is the one who brings us a peace-filled relationship with God. It's because of the work of Jesus. It's not because we get our lives together enough. It's not because we're perfect enough. It's not because we sacrifice enough. It's because of Jesus. Because of his death and resurrection, we are made right with God. End of story. And so we live out of the freedom that comes from that. So that's why we think Jesus is pretty great. That's only a few verses of scripture, but it sums up so perfectly why we think Jesus is so amazing. And for us as a church, this is why we center on Jesus, because he shows us what God is like. He shows us the best version of what it looks like to live our lives. He's the one who brings unity. He's the leader of our church. And he's the one who ultimately makes us right with God and allows us to be a part of God's family. So as a church then, we want to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. We want to keep centering ourselves on Jesus. And our focus is simply about taking our next steps so that we can be more Jesus-centered as we move forward together. So coming back to this word discipleship that we read a lot about around the place and is the core of what it means to be a church, one of the easiest ways to understand what discipleship looks like is the word apprenticeship. And it's helpful to recognise that because sometimes when we think about what it means to follow Jesus, we can sort of think more about the hardline version of what it means to be a student. So we have this picture of someone standing up the front in a big lecture theatre with lots and lots of students who are all sitting there frantically taking notes as someone says a whole bunch of stuff. And our goal is to make sure that we remember that stuff so that we can pass the exam at the end of the semester. That's what the hard version of studying and being a student looks like. And we can sometimes project that onto our relationship with God, that our focus is to be able to learn enough cognitively, intellectually, 
that we hopefully get our theology right enough that we pass the test and therefore God accepts us. But in actual fact, the journey of following Jesus is far more like an apprenticeship. And when we think about an apprentice, we don't think about someone sitting in a classroom. We think about someone who's out there doing. Now, there is an element of learning for sure, but it's learning basic principles that I can put into practice in my life. And it's learning in partnership with someone else. Apprentices don't normally take that and then go and try and do it themselves. They have someone else who teaches them, who helps them on their journey to be able to move forward. And when we think about most apprenticeships, we recognise that there's probably not a point where you're absolutely perfect at that. You keep learning over the journey of your whole life. That's a beautiful picture of what discipleship is all about. That it's about us learning stuff, yes, but always so that we can put it into practice in our lives. Always so that we can say, what's the next thing for me to be able to live out and to be able to do that in partnership together? We don't have to do it on our own. We do it with each other so that we learn from each other around that. That's the journey of following Jesus. And wherever we're at in our spiritual journey, there is always a next step to be able to take. So if you're someone who's in a place where you're just starting to check things out spiritually, there are some next steps for you to be able to take. To be able to say, okay, well, is there a God? And if there's a God, what is that God like? Is there something bigger than ourselves? For some of us, we might be in a place where we've answered that question and said, yes, there's definitely something out there, but what is this God like exactly? And I'm starting to explore Jesus. And so for us, there are next steps to be able to recognise who Jesus is. How can I trust that Jesus existed? How can I trust that the things that Jesus said are true and the things that Jesus did actually happened? So there's some next steps for us. If we get to a place where we trust in Jesus, where we say, Jesus, you are the centre of my life, then there's a next step in that as well to be able to get baptised and to be able to say, okay, this is my outward expression of the decision that I've made. And then for those of us who've made that decision and we're on the other side of it, there's the journey of us continuing to orient our lives around Jesus, saying, how is my purpose shaped by Jesus? How is my life, my, my passions, my choices, my heart, my attitudes shaped by Jesus. Wherever we're at in our spiritual journey, there are next steps for us to take. So as we head into this year, that's the question that I would love you to reflect on, and particularly to take some time to reflect on that going into this week. What is my next step in becoming even more Jesus-centred? What is my next step in becoming even more Jesus-centred? As I think about this year and what's coming up, or even as I think about the first half of this year, what are some next steps that I can see in front of me? And so I'm going to give you a whole bunch of ideas now. And this is supposed to be more like a menu where you choose one or two things, not a smorgasbord where you have to eat all of it. So just make that clear up front. So as we go through, I would love you to just say, oh, yes, that seems like something that I would like to explore or something that I would like to think a little bit more about. And for some of us, there might be something that's not on this list, and that's perfectly fine as well. So here are a few ideas as we step into this year. For some of us, it could be related to what we do here on a Sunday morning when we get together. And so it could be about just taking notes and saying, I want to think about and reflect a bit more on the things that we talk about when we're together on a Sunday. It could be about saying I'm going to be disciplined to reread the scripture throughout the week and to allow God to continue to challenge me about what's there and to be able to wrestle with some of the questions about what am I learning from this passage that we've looked at. But it could also just be about having an expectation of coming on a Sunday morning with an opportunity to say, this is my chance to re-centre on Jesus. 
that I don't just come here because it's habitual and it's something that I feel like I have to do out of obligation. It's not something I do just so that I can catch up with people. This is my opportunity to press pause, to say, okay, that's a stop to all of the activity that's happening in my life, all the things that are going on around me. And for this little while, I'm going to recenter myself on Jesus and to use some songs and some prayers and some thoughts to be able to reorient myself around that that ultimately culminates in being able to take communion and say, yes, this is what my life is all about. So it could be something that's related to what we do on a Sunday here together. It could be about reading your Bible more regularly throughout the week. And if that's something that you haven't done much and you're not sure where to start, then come and have a conversation with me. I'd love to talk with you more about some resources around that. But it's something that we will run a workshop on at some point in the first half of the year to be able to just get together and talk a bit about what it looks like to get the most out of our Bible reading. And not just, again, so that we're learning stuff, but so that we're applying it and putting it into practice. But saying, am I regularly taking the time to learn from Jesus? Am I regularly taking the time to allow God to speak into my life as I read Scripture on a daily basis. It could be about praying, and not just praying for the sake of praying out of obligation, but building my relational connection with Jesus. Being able to say I'm regularly stopping activity to be able to talk to Jesus and tell him the things that are going on for me, but also being able to listen to Jesus. What is it that you're saying to me right now? What are the things that you want me to focus on? And again, that's something that we'll run a workshop on to be able to talk a bit more about how we can get the most out of prayer and some different models of what prayer looks like. It doesn't have to be something where you sit in a quiet room by yourself. It might be something where you go for a walk or you go and sit in a park or you go sit down by the beach. Journaling is a part of my prayer practice. There's lots of different ways being able to build that connection. But that could be one of our next steps heading into this year. What's interesting is that when we look at healthy discipleship, this apprenticeship idea and taking the next steps in our walk with Jesus, it almost always, in its best version, involves someone else. So the way that we follow Jesus was never supposed to be this thing where I go off by myself and have my time with Jesus and then that's it. And it's really helpful to remind ourselves that in the early days of the church, they didn't have Bibles. So there was no opportunity for me to be able to go and read my book by myself the only way that I could understand this stuff was to gather with other people and to learn together, and put these things into practice together. So that's always been an important part of the church. So for us, as we head into this year, one of the things we're talking about as a board is how we can create some opportunities to be able to connect with each other a little bit more. And so over the last couple of years, and certainly in the last number of years in different churches that I've been in, one of the things that's been the most helpful in my discipleship journey is meeting with a couple of other people to be able to ask some intentional questions. So the purpose in this is not just to kind of catch up and talk about whatever comes up and mainly focus on sport and weather, but to be able to go a little bit deeper and talk about some things that really matter. And so we've found using some intentional questions around that have been really, really helpful. And so with one of the, the couple of guys that I meet up with on a regular basis, we meet every two weeks and we work through these questions. So four questions that we've got. Where are you experiencing God's peace? So it's a great question to be able to say, what's going well? Where am I experiencing life the way that I know that it's supposed to be? What are the things where I'm sensing, yes, this is where God's at work? Second question is then the opposite of that. What's getting in the way of experiencing God's peace? So what are the challenges? What are the things that I'm kind of hitting myself up against? The struggles, the things that are getting in the way, the things that are causing me stress or anxiety or frustration that's stopping me from experiencing God's peace. What are those things that I'm working through? Third one, what have I been thinking about? 
And so that looks like what have I been reading, so particularly what have I been reading in Scripture, but also what have I been thinking about coming out of our times together on a Sunday, uh, what have I been reading in other ways, what podcasts have I been listening to, what movies have I been watching, music that I've been listening to, how are those things shaping my thoughts, and what's kind of top of mind as we meet together. And then fourthly, and probably one of the most important questions, what's my next step between now and next time we meet up? So again, this is what's one thing that I just want to work on a little bit, think a bit more about, put into practice, that person that I want to have a conversation with, that thing that I want to do. What is that one thing? I'm going to share that with you so that next time we meet up, we can talk about that and you can feel free to ask me how that went. These questions really help to be able to shape a deeper level of conversation that all of us need to be able to have, especially as we try to follow Jesus in a very complex culture. If we're not doing this together, Where's the opportunity for us to think about these things? So as we head into this year, we would love to pilot an experiment with a few more of these groups. And the beauty of this is that it's not something that has to be super structured. It's not something where we have to try and find a time that works for everyone. The best version of this actually looks like three people or four people, probably at the most five people getting together for breakfast for a coffee at some point during the day, for a brunch on a Saturday, for lunch on a Sunday, whenever it suits, and so that's the good thing, it's very, very flexible around that, and to be able to just take some time to work through these questions together. And so we're going to talk about how we can pilot some of those, but if you're interested in that, if you're sitting there and thinking right now, yeah, I can think of two or three people that I'd love to be able to do that with, then let me know, because we'd love to be able to support you and encourage you in that. It's not something where we're going to be checking up on you, it's not something where we're going to be asking you to report back on those questions and what you talked about, but it is something we want to say, how can we get as many of us connected with each other as we continue to move forward into this year? few other options for you. Our Tuesday small group is kind of a different version of what that looks like. So our Tuesday small group probably starts with the question, what have you been thinking about? Particularly in terms of what we've been talking about here. So as I said earlier, we take some time to unpack the scripture. So this week we'll be rereading through those verses and saying what jumps out. What are the things that challenge you? What are the questions that this raises? What encourages you? And we take some time to talk through that and the key points from the message and then again be able to say, so as I head into this week, what am I thinking about? What am I hoping to put into practice? And then an opportunity for us to be able to pray together. And so, as I said uh, during announcements, if you want to come along to that, one o'clock in here uh, on a Tuesday, you're very welcome. It's not just something we're doing with our adults, obviously. So God's Gang and the Upper Room, this is our focus as well. So with our kids' ministry and our youth ministry, our focus is on the same thing. How do we help our kids and our youth to be able to take their next steps in their walk with Jesus? And so as we put our curriculum together for our kids, that's our focus. How is this helping them to be able to move forward in their walk with Jesus? How can they be talking about the things that help them to understand more about that? And with our youth to be able to wrestle with the same questions as well. We're also going to have some other opportunities throughout the year for you to take some kind of intensive next steps in your walk with Jesus. So one of those is that we regularly run these things called DNA lunches, which is an opportunity to be able to understand a bit more about the DNA of us as a church. And so particularly for newer people, that's a great opportunity to be able to just get together, have some lunch, talk through our history and our story and where we've come from, but to be able to dig into some of these things a little bit more. And so we'll be running another one of those in the next few weeks. And so we'll let you know about that. Uh, we ran 
ran our Intro to Jesus course towards the end of last year as an opportunity to wrestle through some of the big questions about who is Jesus, what is core to Jesus' teaching, and some of the big questions that people wrestle with. And so we'll be running that again uh, in the first half of this year. And so when we run those courses, I want to encourage you to sign up for those as a way of being able to take your next steps in that and a bit of an on-ramp into where Jesus is taking you. The other thing that I won't touch on much today because we'll talk more about this next week is also getting more involved here at Brooklyn Park. And so taking our next steps in terms of being involved in our spiritual family, which is the context that we'll talk about it, is a great way of being able to take our next steps in our walk with Jesus too. So we'll talk more about that next week. The last thing that I want to mention then is a tool that I want to give you today as an opportunity to use throughout this week. So if my little helpers could come forward... Or just one helper. <laughs> Come on, Zara, you can do it. There you go. So uh, this is a resource that uh, I have, I was going to say blatantly ripped off, but that's not quite true. So the church that was involved in, in Canada before we were here called The Meeting House uh, used something at uh, the start of their ministry year this year to be able to talk about how do I do a bit of a health checkup. And so I have definitely changed this so that it fits our context in a lot of ways and it's different to what they're doing but the idea came from them so I'll give them the credit that they deserve for that. So this is what I'm calling a spiritual health checkup and so we regularly go to the doctor and we take the opportunity to be able to just say where am I at from a health perspective what's going on for me and so my encouragement for you this week is to take a little bit of time grab a coffee sit down and have a read of those statements that you see there. And to be able to say, how would I rate myself on each of those different categories? So there's lots of different statements there. How am I doing in each of these different areas? And then to be able to take some time to answer the questions that are on the back of the sheet, which is kind of a summary. What have I learnt? As I look back over that, what are the things where I feel like I'm doing pretty well, fairly healthy in those areas? And what are some of the areas that I could maybe kind of increase or do some work on as I head into this year? So this again is a question around next steps stuff. And this week it's specifically focused on what it means to be Jesus-centred. Next week we'll have another one that's focused on spiritual family and the week after we'll have one that's about seeing lives change. So don't leave it because then you'll have two that you'll have to do and your homework will start to overwhelm you. So throughout this week, just take a little bit of time, grab a coffee, sit down with a pen and just jot it down. Now, I want to make a few things very clear. This is not a test. This is not an exam. You don't have to hand it back. I'm not going to be checking up on you and saying, what was your score? Did you pass? It's not what this is about at all. This is completely about you and your journey. So if you don't do it, that's totally fine. There's no pressure. If you choose not to do it, that's all right. But I would encourage you to at least give it a try. And if you really, really hate it, you don't have to do any of the rest of the ones for the rest of the month. But just maybe try it this week. I think that there's some really helpful insights in that. And it's a bit of a snapshot to be able to say, where am I at right now as I start this year? And what do I sense that God's saying to me as I think about this idea of taking next steps? The key question that's on the back of that, the last question that's there is who can I share that with? So again, I'm not going to check up on you whether you've done that, but it is something that's very, very helpful. And you know that in your own life, that if you make a decision to do more exercise or to eat more healthy or to do this thing or whatever it might be, if you tell someone else and help them, have them come and support you and encourage you and ask you how you're doing with that, you're far more likely to put it into practice. So that's the point of asking that question. It's not so someone's going to check up on you, but someone that you're close with to be able to just say, hey, 
coming out of this week, this is the one thing or the two things that I'm thinking about. Can we talk about that a little bit more? And then that might be an opportunity for you to journey together. So hopefully that's going to be a helpful resource for us. At the end of the day, the most important thing with all of these is that they're not a to-do list to say, okay, I've fulfilled all of my obligations. None of these things are also just intellectual things. I have to make sure that I pass the test. All of this is about saying, how can I become more Jesus-centred? That's our focus with all of these different tools that we're trying to talk about. How does this help me to centre myself on Jesus? That's why we're here as a church. It's what our heart is, our passion is. And so if there's any other ways that we can be helping you with that, supporting you with that, that's what my role is. That's why I'm here. And so I'd love to have those conversations with you. And as a board, these are the conversations we're having as well. What can we do across our family to be able to support and resource and equip us in the best way possible? So if you have any ideas about that, please feel free to come and talk to me. So I'm going to pray that God will continue to lead us forward, that God will continue to shape us as a Jesus-centred community, and then we'll be able to transition over to communion where we'll be able to live out exactly what we've been talking about. So let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for who you are. It's nothing short of staggering. We've spent a bit of time unpacking that today, but we could spend hours and hours and hours talking about who you are talking about what you have done for us and talking about the implications of that. And in actual fact, that's what we do as a church. And we're so grateful that there's no end to that, that you are so amazing that we can spend all of our lives talking about it and continue to learn and grow and develop and put into practice what it means to live out of the truth of who you are and what you've done for us. So we thank you that you do show us what God is like, that we don't have to be confused, we don't have this God who's distant and far away, that we kind of just have to work out our own images of what you're like. We know what you're like because you have shown us. We're so grateful for that, for your life, your teaching, that it's not just a set of instructions you gave us, but you lived this stuff out practically, that you give us a model to be able to follow and for your death and resurrection that ultimately accomplishes everything that you came to do. We're so grateful for all of that. And so we're grateful that as a church we get to be Jesus-centred, that we can focus on you because there's so much for us to take away from that. And we thank you for the ways in which that is so much a core part of who we are, so much a part of our DNA. And we ask that as we head into this year, you would continue to centre us more and more on you, that you would help us to get closer and closer to you, individually in our own lives and collectively as a church family. And so as we head into this week, I pray that the things that we've talked about today, particularly the resources that we've talked about, would be something that just helps us to capture where we're at and capture a sense of what's next for us. That as we move into this year, there'd be a clear sense of knowing what the next one or two steps are ahead of us and a sense of freedom that comes from being able to step into that in partnership with you. In your name we pray. Amen.